Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for our consideration this morning is our gospel today, Luke 15, 1-10. It's printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear fellow sheep of the Good Shepherd's flock, a lot of Christians used to know what to do with Kanye West. Condemn him, or at least avoid him. The rapper and producer became something of a professional celebrity and drew lots of attention for bad behavior, a big ego, profanity, immorality, controversial political statements, marrying a Kardashian, and more. But a lot of Christians don't know what to do with him now. Because if you hadn't heard, he just released an album titled Jesus is King and has very publicly identified himself as a Christian who is now trying to live a Christian life. Can and should other Christians forget about his past and embrace him as one of us now? Should they take him at his word that it's all genuine and not just a gimmick? Should they expect him to stand firm in his new faith or just wait for him to change his mind later and go back to his former ways? Some are saying, let's claim him as our own and and use his, his celebrity to advance our causes now. And others are saying, we can't trust him. Or, even if it's real, we don't want anyone like him speaking for us anyway. After reading our parables today, it shouldn't be hard to see that Jesus knows exactly what to do with a repentant and believing Kanye West. Take him on his shoulders, bring him home, and throw a party. Because the one that was lost is now found. That's what God does. That's who he is. The lost matter to the Lord. So he and all of heaven rejoice whenever a sinner is found and brought into his flock. The Pharisees and the experts in the law, the the scribes, they did not understand any of that. They didn't particularly want to understand it anyway. To their way of thinking, no religious teacher, and certainly no one who might claim to be the long-awaited Messiah, had any business hanging around with tax collectors and notorious sinners like rap stars. Maybe, maybe after one had had cleaned up his or her life and, and started working toward righteousness, maybe then he could be seen with them, although that still would have raised some eyebrows. But not until then. Not until they'd made all the steps toward righteousness. So what these Pharisees and experts in the law were seeing here with open sinners flocking to Jesus and and him welcoming them when they came, 
Well, that, that just only confirmed the bad opinion they had already formed about this upstart preacher from Galilee. And so they murmured and they muttered against him, saving their worst evidence of his unsuitability for last. This guy even eats with sinners. But Jesus didn't care whether they approved or not. He knew his purpose. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And the tax collectors and open sinners who were flocking to Jesus, they, they had an advantage over Christ's critics. They knew they were sinners. They had no illusions of righteousness. And that's why they kept gathering around to hear him and, and even invo- invited him to join them for their meals because they wanted to be near him, to hear more of his message, that message that promised forgiveness and new life, promised even acceptance from God for all who turn from their sins in repentance and faith. No, no matter who they were, And no matter what evil they had done or what good they had left undone. That is precisely what Jesus came for. Precisely what he wanted them and his enemies and us to see by telling these parables about the lost. This is how much God cares. This is how far Christ will go to save sinners. And this is how greatly He and the angels will rejoice whenever one, even just one, comes to repentance. The owner of the flock of 100 will leave the 99 behind to search high and low for his one lost sheep. The woman who loses her coin, just one of ten, will turn her house upside down looking for it until she finds it. Simple concepts, simple stories, but deep and profound illustrations. This is how God so loved the world. So loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Paul wrote to Timothy that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was His mission, His purpose, and His deepest desire. And in love, He lived a perfect life so that it could be credited to our account so that through faith in Him, we might be made perfectly righteous. And in love, He gave Himself over to death. Even the horrible, unimaginably painful death of the cross so that by His sacrifice of blood, He might pay the price of our sins. The debt, the astronomical, insurmountable debt that you and I owed to our Lord and Creator for each and every failure to live, think, and speak according to the demands of His law. Jesus did 
all of that. Did it all to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus still invites us every day to turn to him for for forgiveness of those sins that we still commit and, and for the grace that powers us for holy living. God goes all out for the lost. And that means you. And that means me. We are the lost. Jesus doesn't have to spell it out in the parables, but but his meaning is clear. Do not be like those Pharisees and experts who thought of themselves as the religious elite who were so righteous that, well, they didn't need to repent of anything and didn't need to be found. The reality is that every one of us here today was once as lost as the worst low life you can think of, and every one of us could and would be that again tomorrow, if not for the grace of God and work of Christ. We are members of His flock, and we have His righteousness, not because we are worthy, but because He He, that good and gracious shepherd, found us, chose us, cleansed us, and made us his own. The theme for this sermon that I printed in the bulletin is just two words. Welcome, sinners. Imagine Jesus writing those words to us. What punctuation would it have? What these two parables make clear after the criticism of his enemies is that he would put a comma in the middle and an exclamation point at the end. He is giving us, the lost, the broken, the dead, the blind, the hurt, a warm and gracious invitation to come to him for everything that we need. Welcome, sinners! Welcome. But there's also another message here for those, for us as those who were formerly lost but are now found. For us, his church. It is an encouragement and an instruction about what we should do with his message of sin and grace. What we should do with the cross and the empty tomb. What we should do with all of the resources and opportunities He gives us. What we should do is welcome sinners. Don't mutter. Don't murmur when the gospel brings people to us. People who don't fit or who have troubled pasts or or problem presents. Don't think of yourself as, as better or more worthy or them as just not worth your time. Jesus wants us, his servants, his messengers, to seek out our fellow lost sheep so that they may be found. To use law and gospel as he did, to bring them to repentance, to bring them so that there may be joy. Joy with him and the angels in heaven over one sinner who repents and joy with us and our brothers and sisters here on earth to have one more member for our family.
his message is clear. Seek the lost. Welcome sinners. Imagine that you are an artist who has been commissioned by a a wealthy Christian to create a painting, a wall-size mural of his church, which will go in the entrance of their new church building. The patron specifies that that, that when he says he wants a picture of his church, he, he doesn't just want a picture of their new or their old building, inside or out, nor does he want anything that's just like a a group portrait of the congregation's members. He wants something that that pictures, that that captures the reality of who and what the church is and and is about, something that that encapsulates its identity and its purpose. But (laughs) that's about as much direction as he gives you. So what do you paint? You're a bit stumped and You don't want to just copy anything that other artists have done over the years. and So when a group of your friends gets together one day, you ask them, what What do you think? What is a church like? What does it look like? One friend tells you, well, based on the church my parents took me to when I was a kid, church is like a museum or maybe some ancient historic site. Everything is old. Everybody keeps their distance. Nothing should be touched. And while there's interesting stuff there, there's nothing to get excited about. Another friend says, no, no. From what I've seen, a church is like a, like a gym. You know, the kind that puts everybody in front of big windows right at street level. It's all about working as hard as you can to be as fit as you can and, and encouraging others to do better by the example you set. Church is a place where the fit and the healthy go to show how fit and healthy they are. Someone else in the conversation pipes up, or, or, or a beauty pageant. The last church I attended was like that. It wasn't like everybody was all about the latest fashions, but there was real competition to be seen and to stand out and to be crowned as the best of the best. A lot of people I knew eventually just stopped going because it exhausted them. They felt they couldn't keep up. Other friends suggest a a country club or an art gallery. One even says, make it easy. Just put up a big mirror to reflect that for most people, church is all about me. And after the conversation moves on to a different topic, one of your quieter friends takes you aside and says, come on. Let's take a drive, and I'll show you where I work. She pulls up to the big medical campus on the outside of town, gets you out of the car, and says, See? See, this is the church that Christ has in mind. See see those ambulances? They, they go out to find and to bring in the people who need to be here the most but will never find their way here on their own. They go out into the streets, into the highways, into the byways, in into the dark places where no one, no normal people want to go. And over there, where they're headed, that's that's the emergency room where people with urgent needs, the the injured, the infected, the the fearful are welcomed and treated. And behind that is 
That's the main hospital where people get serious care for serious problems, even surgery to to remove, to take out the things that are making them sick. And over there, that's the skilled nursing facility. Those people there may, may not have urgent needs, but they're still not well, and they need regular attention. No one who comes here to to any of these places or stays here is 100% healthy. Some are worse off than others, but everyone needs healing. She doesn't spell out the rest. She assumes you make the connection. Because that is, that is a good picture of what the Christian church and each Christian congregation is and should be. It's not a place to promote your piety, but a place to have your sins forgiven. It's not a relic of past glories, but a site of present struggles and growth. It's a place for urgent, continuing, and long-term care, where those who know they are not just sick but dying from sin go to hear the good news that Jesus came to save them and heal their souls. He serves us here when we come near to Him here in His Word and in worship, in baptism and in the Lord's Supper. And He heals us and makes us His own. This, this is the flock we belong to. This is the family of God. This is the church of Christ. This is what our Good Shepherd has in mind for us and what we want our congregation always to be, a place where sinners are welcome. The sick, the weak, the broken, the shamed, the hurt. A place where the lost are sought out and found just as we have been sought out and found by our Savior. Lord, may it always be so for us and for everyone. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.